Welcome to the Kingdom Influencing Podcast. I am your host, Derek L. Calhoun, the author of Press Into the Power. I hope you're enjoying this music that we have. Uh, This song is called Miracle from Sylvia Jones' latest music project, which is available online wherever music is sold or streamed. Or you can reach out to her on her website, www.sylviajones.com, helping you experience God's presence through contemporary worship. Listen, uh, before we get started today, I want to bring you just a quick note from our sponsor, Distinction Inc. Do you need custom t-shirts or hoodies? Look no further than Distinction Inc. From screen printing to embroidery, Distinction Inc. provides high quality apparel and promotional items with stress-free customer service. Distinction Inc. also provides competitive pricing, especially for nonprofit organizations and churches. If you have any upcoming projects, they would love to earn your business and exceed your expectation. You can request a quote by visiting www.distinctioninc.com. Distinction Inc. We deliver results that make you say, wow. All right, let's get ready for the Kingdom Influencing Podcast. Welcome, welcome back. This is our Christmas special of the Kingdom Influencing Podcast. I am your host, Derek L. Calhoun. And indeed, this is a very special day. It's a special day because I have a great friend and colleague that I had the opportunity to meet. He's an accomplished author. He is a pioneer in education and in corporate America. We'll talk a little bit about that. I want you to meet the co-author of the book of Daddyisms, Words from the Wise, by Deshaun Wise Porter and our special guest today, Keith Evan Wise. Keith, welcome to the podcast. Bishop, thank you, and good morning. I appreciate it. It is an honor to have you on the show. I just want to put a plug in real quick. If you want to get the book of Daddyisms, uh, you can go on to Amazon and search Keith Evan Wise or Deshaun Wise Porter, and you will find that book, and it will be a blessing to your inner self and to your library. Keith, I talked about you being a pioneer earlier, and I I thought about it from the perspective of you going to Oberlin College and me knowing that not many black people get the opportunity to go to that, that college and pursue academia. Tell me about your experiences. How did that shape who you are today? Bishop, Oberlin College was a unique experience because it was the first to accept blacks on an equal basis. It was the first to accept whites on an equal basis. It was also a terminal point for the Underground Railroad. I actually became aware of Oakland College because my uncle, Dr. Samuel Barnes, was born there, and he later became athletic director of uh, Howard University. And he was also part of the Golden 13. I would never have found it without him. You just okay. threw a term out there, and I don't want to be ignorant. What's the Golden 13? Golden well, 13, is just like you had Tuskegee Airmen, Yes. The Navy the Navy had the Golden Thirteen. I see, very, I see. Very unique. Um I found 
that my background was not just unique, but they were unaware of who we were. They could cheer for you on the field and ignore you in the classroom. Hmm. That had to melt. I had to find a way to melt that away. Some of that was my own personal concern that I didn't. I wasn't aware of. It's not that I thought I was second class to anyone. I just wanted to know what is the problem if you don't want to sit back and associate. And so I began to open up the world. I thank my parents for allowing me to go there. I thank the folks that I met because they taught me. Some embraced me and many did not. But they were never negative because I too was strange to them. And we were all Americans. It was a, it was a, a mixing bowl that after a year and a half thought out. Yeah. I would recommend anyone to be, needs to find their needs to be in a situation where they're not comfortable to learn. And that that helped me get more patience. That helped me be more thoughtful. That also that also taught me that I was pretty secure in who I was because that at the end of the day is who you are. You got to be secure in who you are, even if there are challenges. And there are challenges in every walk of life, in every situation. Some challenges are based on ignorance and not understanding one another. I think Martin said that the biggest gap or void between races is not knowing or not communicating with one another or taking the time to understand each other's culture. But at the end of the day, there's only one race. It's the human race. Tell me about your transition from there. I know you, you left Oberlin your junior year and graduated from the University of Maryland. But then you went on to have a distinguished career in corporate America. And I believe as I was reading your resume, you met uh, James Brown, who's uh, now a famous uh, syndicated uh, CBS sports analyst. He introduced you to A. Barry Rand, who was the president of Xerox at that time, and you started your corporate journey. Tell us a little bit about your corporate journey at Xerox and and then I want to move to what even, and I'm just going to put the plug in here, to what, when I read your bio, what really stuck out in your bio was not your emphasis on Oberlin or your emphasis on your corporate accomplishments and community accomplishments and your overall, if you will, plate of accolades, but you put major emphasis on the development of your family, the birth of your daughter, the birth of your grandchildren, when you were married, the years that you've shared with your wife. That was the first time I've seen that in a bio where that was the major introduction to the bio and then there was everything else. So I want you to, to talk about that. Talk about corporate America a little bit and then the bio piece. That's, that's a, a stark contrast to how most people deal with bios well i uh, thank you bishop to give me this opportunity because it is a reflective position uh jb and i knew each other from high school playing against other in basketball he went to Tamatha, i went to st john's competition brings out the best of you it's called respect he ended up he went to harvard i ended up going to Oakland. xerox from corporate america was very unique in the black world because they look for athletes to go out and market their product at that time, they were called copiers. And the reason they did that was because they knew athletes had a discipline, they could have a focus, they would get up and they would work, and they would achieve a goal. So for the most part, that's what they looked for. When I went to Xerox, I was 
talk, JB said, why don't we talk to a gentleman named Barry Rand? Barry Rand was the president. He did the interview with me, and he asked me a question. And I used that same question to interview everybody I had for 30 years in corporate America. I said, he asked me, which is stronger, water or rock? And yeah. he had to sit back and you said it. If a person says rock, then you let them go. If a person says water, you bring them aboard. Because water is the key. Water will overflow everything. Eventually, water will wear down rock. You mm -hmm. want somebody that's going to be persevering, focused, and understand that they don't have to be, they don't have to disengage with people to get their goal. They have to be able to be fluid around to get things accomplished. They've got to be able to get to the end point. And water will always seek its way. So I've used that. So that was very rare. When I also look back at my history at the University of Maryland, I created what was the shuttle bus system at a community university with over 35,000 people. It was the second largest uh, commuting system in the country. And at that time, there was only one other. That was the University of Michigan. And I was president of what they called Director of Community Affairs, University of Maryland, which was 80% commuters. They had some rapes on campus. And the fraternities took care of the sororities. The residence halls took care of the residence halls. But we had parking lots that didn't have lights. I went. I was blessed. I had a good people on board. We took it to Regents. Next thing we know, we had parents that called. We did parking lots paved. We created a shuttle. We asked, could we get a couple of old vans? and drive around to the different parking lots. The University of Maryland is a huge campus. Yeah. And that way people would know the bus is going to be picked up at this time. It'll be here. It'll be here so that the women that were coming would be able to get there. And the chancellor said, yes, you can do that. So he said, all you have to do is come up with about $15,000. It's back in the 1970s. So I went back, and I was blessed to have somebody on the board. His name is Pat Lear. And he ended up being the road manager for all of those. He told me he'd be back in two weeks. At that time, he was avant-garde. He came back. He had a group of entertainers. He said, well, come. We, they gave us the field house and didn't charge us the field house, which was the University of Maryland play. Mm -hmm. And we had events. We had musical groups come and play for 14 hours in that, in that group. And we paid, it, we paid them for the trip. We charged each of the students $6. Do you know we ended up buying four vans? And one of the groups that came at that time was a group called Earth, Wind, and Fire. Wow. I rest my... Uh, man, oh. I, that was a tremendous opportunity. I know they were just getting off their feet, getting on their feet uh, uh, in terms of a, a world-class talent. But those guys <laughs> shaped between them and, and, and Michael Jack, whatever well, was a group. I can't even say that anymore because it's, it's a very different era now. We had a plethora of, of people in our community who helped shape the music world during that time but uh they were one of the shapers one of the one of the movers and shakers in the music world no doubt about it we did yes go ahead now transition just transition and and just talk about the bio because i think your bio speaks to your character i think your bio speaks to purpose i think your bio and I don't even think, I know your bio speaks to how you view life and the importance of family and community and, and, and legacy. It truly does in this way, Bishop. My parents were God-fearing. My father was a Tuskegee Airman. 
Mom was a teacher. And what they taught us is never pat yourself on your back. If you're given, if you see a challenge, it's for you to sit back and find a solution. There are two types of people. There are people that are going to complain and there are people who are going to find a solution for the problem. You, once you find a solution for the problem, you do it, then you move on. There are too many people who are going to stop with will stop where the complaining is or they wait for a pat on the back. That's not what you do. You are here to resolve a problem and move on. So each of the things in life, whether it's in corporate America, whether it's Xerox, whether it's Canon, uh, as executive director, as VP, I help you do things for people and you move on. But here's the constant in your life. The constant in your life is your family. Hmm. And that's the only thing that, at, at the end of the day, that counts. There was a thing about a hanging, a hanging tree that was once told, and I'm sure other people have heard about it. The hanging tree is a tree that's outside your door. So when you come home for all these hours, all these headaches, put all those troubles on that tree before you come in the door. Come home and enjoy what's there because you have to take on the, the wealth and the health of your children, of your parents, of your family, and of yourself. And when you get up the next morning, you walk out the door, you pick up those problems, there are no problems on that tree. So every day is fresh. But what's concerning and what's stable is your heart, your God, your love, and your children, because those are the only things that you can affect day by day, decade by decade, year by year that are going to count. The rest of it doesn't make any difference. It's transitory. Hmm. So it's God, your heart, and your family. In your family, and that doesn't mean that was any of it was easy because it wasn't perfect. It was not perfect, but a you never circular fire with your family. You have to have certain staples that you put inside of you. You never circular fire with your family. You can have discussions and things get a little crazy, but you make sure it never nothing ever goes beyond level two. Okay, I need to learn. If I'm in if I'm in disagreement or something. And we're at this point. I need to learn why you're saying that because I trust you. You just because I just because I see green and you see yellow, that doesn't mean that that's wrong for them. Doesn't mean it's right for me because they have a path. So I want to find out what it is and how can I encourage you to embolden your yellow or embolden your blue or whatever that is. Mine is not to sit back, but to provide support, caution, share with you what I have, and to wish you well for you to be successful. Barrels of the, the crabs in the barrel mentality does not exist in the house. There's no jealousy. We don't ask you what you do. I just want to know if you're happy. Are you okay? Who can you help? But also know the limitations of what you can do when you help somebody. If you offer somebody advice, don't look for the results. Keep moving. Keep they moving. have to make that determination. And many times the phone calls, people want to know, well, what happened, what happened, and what happened. That's dangerous. Because it wasn't for me to know. It was for you to help that person at that time and keep moving. And get trapped in the, we get trapped in other people's problems too often. I, I see that. I wrote a book of a couple of years ago called Pressing to the Power. And I, I talked about knowing who's carrying your mat. And I used the scripture about the paralytic man and the four people that took his mat and without regards to themselves, they literally helped them get into the presence of Jesus. And I, I made that correlation because prior to them coming, 
we have to ask the questions. Who was in his inner circle? Who was it around him? What was it about this particular time that brought those four people along? And what was it about his mindset? Because you and I both know we've been around the block a long, long enough to know that you can't help everybody. You can extend yourself. You can share your willingness to participate in their succor. But you can't make anybody do anything. My mother used to say you can lead a horse to the water, but you cannot make them drink. So obviously the paralytic had a change of mindset because he was going to go through a gauntlet of people who would literally try to dissuade him from getting into the presence of Jesus. When they got there, the, the, the place was mobbed. It, it, it was overwhelmed. There was no way in the front door. There was no way in through any windows. There was no back access. People were, were crowded around trying to get in the presence of Jesus or just trying to be a part of the crowd. Like what's going on? So, you know, crowds draw people. But everybody in the crowd doesn't have a purpose for being there. And these four guys figured out some kind of way to get a man who could not move on a roof, whether they built an apparatus or whether they took the strongest tube, threw him over their shoulders and got him up to that roof and then brought the pallet up later. I don't know how they did it. But there was some ingenuity about getting them there. But the fact of the matter is, you have to ask the question daily, who's carrying your mat? Because there are people like in our lives who are toxic. There are people in our lives that are envious. There are people in our lives that are jealous. And I could go into great detail, but we're in a restricted schedule here. But, and I, understood. and I just did a podcast on it last week anyway, so they can listen to it. But... You, you have to know who's there because deception is everywhere. And people will laugh with you. They will smile with you. But they won't be in support of you. And just because people are around you, just because you've known them for years, doesn't mean that you don't take the time to reevaluate who they are. And the one safe place, the, to your point, that you should be able to have is family. It ought to be safe to be around your family. We ought to create environments that are not toxic, but environments that foster growth, that foster love, that foster positivity, that foster character building, that embrace each other when we cry, but also embrace each other when there's success. And no one should limit the success of another because it's not your success. But if you're in a family unit, it's all of our success when one of us is successful. That is 100%. Yeah. Who's carrying your mat? Your family. If you, if, you don't have, if, you, if you don't have that, you need to find out how to develop that. Because if you develop that, then you'll develop better relationships. That's correct. You've been listening to Conversations with Keith Wise. Uh, this was part one. We hope to come back with part two. He is the author of the book of Daddyisms, Words from the Wise. Thank you for tuning in to the Kingdom Influencing Podcast. I'm your host, Derek L. Calhoun. Make sure during this holiday season that you have a Merry Christmas, a wonderful new year, but don't forget to go and influence.
the nations. God bless.